You're listening to sermons from St. Thomas Anglican Mission, located in Matthews County, Virginia, striving to live out the ancient faith through common prayer. Here's what we have for you this week. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So, so this morning, uh, we find in our New Testament passage, uh, though it's brief, it's packed, and it's, it's a passage on discipleship. Uh, and so I just want to take a moment and look at Jesus' three different replies. Uh, I want to look at them each individually. The first one, uh, let's look at 57 and 58, where it says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road, that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. We know that during the the earthly ministry uh, of Jesus, during those three years from 30 to 33, that he traveled pretty much, you know, nonstop, um, and that he stayed here and he stayed there, but he didn't really have a, you know, a place that that was like, you know, his house, um, uh, unless I guess you call you consider the temple that. But regardless, he traveled nonstop, proclaiming the kingdom and preaching uh, the good news, the gospel message. Uh, he had nowhere to lay his head. And in counting the cost uh, of following Jesus, we as believers, as disciples, we must be willing to accept that there is no rest. Um, we must be prepared at all times, in season and out of season, uh, to do the work of the ministry, right? Uh, there's nowhere for us to lay our head there's no rest for us as believers uh, in the fa- in the sense that we are we are called to live this life daily um, it wasn't our decision to follow Christ wasn't just a one-time thing and once and done no it's a daily decision it's a daily thing we walk into each and every day and we can't take it for granted there is a cost that must be counted to follow in Christ. The proclamation of the gospel and the righteous life that each of us are called to live and each of us are called to do, these are things that that we cannot simply just clock out, you know, from. We can't just, you know, swipe that card and check out and be done once we've put in our 40 hours um, for the week. Uh, there's no asking the Holy Spirit to take a seat uh, because we are off the clock and, and we got other things that we want to do in that moment or at that time. Uh, and trust me, as a, as a minister, I, I know this full, full well, but, even, but as a believer, I know this as well. Um, but, you know, speaking as a minister, though, financially speaking, I've been a full-time youth pastor. I've been a part-time youth pastor and now I'm a bivocational uh, senior pastor or rector Um, in ministry no matter the level whether it's pastoral ministry or it's just ministry that each of us as believers as priests in the kingdom of God are called to live and are called to engage in uh, ministry's never been about uh, money 
ministry has never been about the hours that we log and the time that we put in, no matter how exhausting uh, and how all-consuming it might be. Uh, what ministry is about is about understanding the unescapable expectation of giving everything that we have for the sake of the kingdom. An expectation that is on all of us. Clergy, laity, it's an expectation that's on all of us who call ourselves Christians. We're always to be engaged in kingdom work by the use of our time, our talent, and our treasure. Always. Always. There's nowhere for us to lay our head. We're to constantly be engaged in the ministry in some capacity. Obviously, that doesn't mean you can't go to the beach or you can't just watch a movie. Uh, you can't just veg out on your couch. It doesn't mean you can't hang out with your friends. It doesn't mean any of those things. What it means is that we must always be open to the Holy Spirit's leading at all times. Because we never know when uh, he's going to stir our heart to begin a conversation. Or he's going to stir our heart for us to, to give of our talent. Or give of our time. Or give of our finances. Or, or give of our, you know, our, our words or whatever. You, we never know when the Holy Spirit's going to say this here. That person. That thing. We never know. And so we must always be willing uh, and ready to engage as the Spirit leads. So the question is, can you surrender that level of control? Count the cost before you answer that. So verses 59 and 60 from this morning's passage. Then he said to another, this is Jesus, follow me. But the other man said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Let the dead bury their own dead. The burial uh, of a loved one is obviously a significant moment and something um, that's of great importance. The burying, uh, burying the dead was understood uh, especially back then, uh, many even still today, but it's, it's, it's a religious duty in a sense. It's, it's the last thing that we can do for our loved ones. And in this, this passage, in Jesus' response, you know, Jesus, is, I'm, I'm confident he's not simply flat out saying ignore the dead. But what he is saying is do not make the things of this life a higher priority than the work of the kingdom. Do not get distracted from the mission at hand. Now hear me on this. I'm not saying, you know, quit your job or sell your possessions for the sake of the ministry, for the sake of the kingdom, and don't, you know, bury your loved ones. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is to not let those things take priority over your obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, you can do all those things and be obedient to the Holy Spirit. You can do lots and lots of things and be obedient to the Holy Spirit. But at the end of the day, everything must be secondary. It must be uh, subservient to the Lord. It must fall under Him, not come before Him. 
unless the Lord specifically calls you to, you know, uh, sell everything or or to quit your job or to do something like that, um, unless he calls you to do those sort of things, use what is before you for the sake of the kingdom. And don't let what's before you use you. Right? Uh, for instance, uh, specifically burying, burying your, your loved one, you know, that's an opportunity um, that isn't to be uh, just carelessly looked upon or whatever, but obviously that involves conversations, conversations of grave significance, of importance, of eternity, and those sort of things. And so, you know, never let our circumstances consume us, but rather let us always control our circumstances with the Holy Spirit's leading, of course. For instance, uh, I work an eight to four job uh, in the pest management industry, right? I go to people's houses, I kill bugs, I crawl under people's houses. I do all the fun stuff that you wish you could do. Not, not really. <laughs> but that, that's what I do. I, I go during the week, Monday to Friday, and, and do these things. And I could easily, easily let that job consume me uh, and take priority over uh, the ministry of St. Thomas, of being the pastor and, and th this church plant, and I could easily let it take priority over me being the chair of the No Walls, uh, of, of No Walls. Um, I could easily let it take priority over all those things, uh, over being a father, a husband, uh, a son. I could let it take priority over all of those things and just wear me down and beat me down. Uh, to where all I do is I come home and just veg out on the couch, take, you know, take a shower, eat, veg out, and go to bed. But I try, I do my best to ensure that it doesn't, that, that I don't let that happen. Um, you know, I, in, in during my, my job, though, I look for those opportunities to be a witness uh, for the kingdom and when appropriate and when possible to minister to customers. You know, sometimes, sometimes there's people who are having... You know, you walk into conversations that you don't even intend to have, but they open the door. And so, you know, I can't, in my case, it's I'm, I'm looking at this as if I can't allow my job to take prior, priority over my relationship with Christ, right? I need to use my job for the sake of my relationship for Christ. So when the opportunity avails itself to preach the gospel, I will. I'll share the gospel. I will witness for the kingdom. So the question is, are you willing to make everything secondary to Christ? Are you willing to count the cost? Verse 61 to 62, And another said to Jesus, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. No one looking back is fit for the kingdom. Remember Lot's wife, right? The first lesson this morning, I, I read the brief passage. That wasn't what's actually called for in a lectionary, but it seemed appropriate. Uh, there in Genesis, um, you know, the angels came down and, and they, they led Lot and his wife and her two daughters out of the city and said, run, run, and don't look back. 
Well, unfortunately, she looked back as Sodom and Gomorrah were being destroyed. And she was in turn, she, she was turned into a pillar of salt. She looked back and she was found unfit. So much so that nowhere in all of Scripture will you find her name. Feel free, search, look, at, look through, look, look, look. You will not find a name for Lot's wife. She is simply known as Lot's wife. She was found unfit for the kingdom. Church, it is impossible to escape our past if we look back upon it. Reflecting on the memories of the good times, on the good times, is a surefire way to begin stirring up old wants, old wants and desires and temptations and passions. You know, she looked back and was found unfit. Jesus said, no one looking back is found fit for the kingdom. Going back to the text, Jesus, he uses plowing as an example. And he uses lots of agricultural things because that was the society they lived in. If you're plowing your field or you're working in a garden, which Myra and I did when we first bought the house, uh, we planted a massive garden out back here that was way bigger uh, than we were prepared to, to handle, especially the first time uh, ever planting one. But but we did it. And, and anyways, as you're plowing, you know, and you're doing this, if you're attempting to set the rows straight, uh, the key is to find something out in front to lock onto and walk and move towards that thing. Keep your eye on that spot that's ahead of you so that your line remains true. Because as soon as you look back, as soon as you look back, no matter the good intention, no matter, it's like, oh, I'm just seeing if it's straight. I'm just looking back to see the job I'm doing. I'm looking back because I can't remember. I'm looking back because of this or that. I'm looking back into this good memory, whatever the case may be. As soon as you look back while you're plowing the soil, your forward momentum is going to shift. It might not shift drastically at first, but it's going to shift enough that by the time you reach the end, you will look back and you will wonder how you got so far off track. And you'll realize it's all because you looked back. You looked back. So keep your eye on the prize and press on towards the mark. So the question is, are you willing to trust the leading of the Lord to go and to do what he says without regard for what is behind you. You must count the cost. To truly follow Christ means that we got to count the cost. After all, the decision to become a Christian is never, it was never a mindless decision. In fact, the Lord himself calls us by his Holy Spirit through the work of the, his provenient grace. We may think we chose him, but he chose us first. And so we can't, it's not a mindless, flippant decision. So count the cost before you answer. There are far more easier paths than the road Christ calls us to. If anyone tells you that Christianity is easy and it's the safest way to navigate this world, um, they're a liar. 
Um, and if that's the kind of Christianity you've been sold, I encourage you to read the Gospels and read the New Testament because it takes a lot of work. And it's not as easy as a tele-evangelist preaching prosperity will lead you to believe. Christ calls us to detach from our wicked ways by repentance. He calls us to bury the old self in the baptismal waters. And as a new creation, he calls us to bear fruit for the kingdom by our obedience. In closing, let me share a quote from the Lutheran pastor and martyr Dietrich Bonhoeffer from his book, The Cost of Discipleship. He wrote, The cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is that dying of the old man which is the result of his encounter with Christ. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give over our lives to death. Thus it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. So count the cost. Count the cost. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, we thank you for your prevenient grace. We thank you for your Holy Spirit calling us to you calling us into newness of life. We thank you, Lord, for, uh, for, for the promised abundant life you offer all those who, in repentance, come under your lordship and your kingship and accept you as Savior. Lord, may we, we count the cost as we consider what it really means to be a disciple and what it means about giving of ourselves, of our time, our talent, our treasure, about what it means to not look back. Lord, may we keep our eyes focused on you, the prize. And God, may we find truth. May we find confidence. May we find comfort in knowing that we can just cling to you, follow the leading of your Holy Spirit, and we will be led into all truth, and our path will be straight. And we will find ourselves worthy of the vocation of being a Christian that you call us to. God, for any of them that might be watching and, and listening in on this live stream that don't know you, Lord, I pray that they that your, your Holy Spirit continues to just stir up in their hearts a desire for the kingdom and for godly things. But God, may your Spirit ask them to count the cost before they make a flippant, mindless decision. Because you aren't calling drones into your service. You're calling men and women to be followers of you, to be disciples to change their family, their workplace, their community, their world. Not just to be couch potatoes for the kingdom. 
God, show us your grace, your mercy. And may we always daily count the cost as each day we come to you in repentance and ask for your Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, and to open doors of opportunity, to be your witnesses, to proclaim your kingdom, and to preach the good news. We ask this in Jesus' name. And now unto God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we all honor and glory 